Welcome to the Adipec podcast. I'm Aetna Trainer, and this podcast will offer you insights and updates into strategic news and issues in the oil and gas industry. We're delighted to be here at Honeywell. Norm Gilsdorf joins us now. He's the president for high growth regions for Honeywell in the Middle East, Russia and Customs Union. And Ronnie Rahman, director of Honeywell Cybersecurity, Europe, Middle East and Africa. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Now, Norm, let me start with you. And when we look at digitalization in oil and gas, I mean, it is, it, it's, it's a buzzword, but it's actually much more than that. Bring us up to date where you see digitalization. Well, first of all, I, I think we have to go back a little bit. Digitalization has sort of been evolving in the oil and gas industry over the last four or five years. And it, it, it sort of has come about because of two or three big trends. First of all, uh, connectivity. Um, we're able to connect things today that weren't able to be connected in the, in the past. You know, in the past, you'd have a control system connected to a field instrument. But now you can connect multiple control systems. You can connect the field operator. You can connect the engineer. You can go all the way up to the boardroom with your connectivity. Second of all is mobility. Now people have gotten more accustomed to handheld devices in your daily life, but you now can bring it into the industry. There are devices that can go into an oil and gas facility, and having that mobility and devices has changed the industry. The third is the advantage of big data and what we call digital twins. So this is the ability to capture all this data that's been out there but kind of wandering around for all these years can now be brought together, captured, held, and then it can be analyzed with artificial intelligence. You can have a digital twin there that runs simulations and models. And you can now do something with that data, make it more useful. So it's a combination of, of big data being able to be gathered, mobility, connectivity, and the use of digital twins to be able to run simulations and models. Well, it's a very dynamic time in the industry and very exciting as well. But Ronnie, this must make your job probably more dynamic and more exciting as well. But talk to me a little bit because of all of this connectivity. You know, surely there, there are fears out there in the industry that maybe things might not be as safe and as secure as they should be. Uh, absolutely right. Um, as Norm said, the increasing connectivity has created greater vulnerabilities in the cybersecurity space. Um, but what we have seen is a significant increase in the adoption of standards and policies creation uh, worldwide uh, in the industry. Uh, people adopting uh, standards such as IEC, uh, IEC 6443 or NIST uh, or other types of cybersecurity standards and adapting those to their own environments so that they're appropriate to them, and then uh, creating regulatory authorities that implement those. So that's been a very significant uh, increase. The other increase that we've seen in uh, management of those vulnerabilities is the implementation of emergency response infrastructure across governments and organizations. However, there are still some very significant issues that apply to everybody, particularly in cybersecurity. Uh, probably the biggest of those is the lack of staff there's a global shortage of cybersecurity trained staff, particularly in the operational technology space or the industrial space. Um, and the other one is the sheer complexity that industrial sites provide. 
Uh, you may have antiquated systems, you may have distributed systems, you may also have geographically distributed assets, which all need to be managed, uh, often in very difficult to access places. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, Norm, talk to me a little bit about this region. You're a global company, you're working all over the world, and we, we look at it region by region. Perhaps some areas you know, are doing more, some need to do more. What does the Middle East, what does all of this region, the wider region, look like at the moment in terms of where it sits on, I guess, the journey of digitalization? Good question. Well, first of all, what we're seeing is that the uh, CEOs across that, that I come across and meet, they're all very focused on digitalization. In fact, they all have as one of their KPIs or one of their key uh, change management initiatives, digitalization is at the top. We also have done a survey kind of at that next mid-level down across Saudi Arabia and UAE. And we found about 65 to 68% um, of the oil and gas customers um, either believe digitalization right now is critical uh, to their success or will soon to be a critical enabler to their success. So it's certainly at the front edge. Um, we're also seeing a lot of customers beginning to now adapt. Uh, we do some uh, POVs, which are proof of values, uh, demonstrations, small projects. So it's certainly getting attracted. It's getting a focus. And there's certainly a view that it's going to bring value to these organizations over time. When we look at security, I mean, all of the oil and gas, I think it's their, the number one focus for all oil and gas companies here. But again, given, I think, so many different systems that are out there, and it's about really bringing this together, when they look at designing the system, I would imagine cybersecurity and just the security of it all must be also a vital number one component of this. Absolutely. Um, particularly where um, such sensitive data is being taken and analyzed in enormous quantities, as, as Norm mentioned. Um, making sure that that data is managed in the most secure manner um, is, is, is imperative. Um, but talk to me, and in fact, both of you can probably contribute to this. When we look at, this has been an industry that's probably pretty good at gathering data and has been doing so for many, many years too. But is it actually, I think, hold it for you, Ronnie, managing it and minding it well? And I suppose for you, Norm, in one way, is it using it and adding value and really getting that tremendous an analytical side to it? And I suppose that's very much what digitalization will bring. It's almost the next step in terms of what to do with this data, whereby it can actually be of better use. So you're exactly right. They've captured a lot of data. They, they, they've been bringing it in, but it hasn't been fully utilized. I would say a small portion of it actually is being utilized today. A lot more can be leveraged from this. Um, first of all, there's the data collection, which is, is, is being enabled by digitalization. But then you start bringing things such as artificial intelligence, um, different programs that can be sure the data is good quality. Um, that's a big issue because some of this data out there is not the strongest quality. So some of the things we're focused on is making sure there's good data integrity, um, that the, the loops are closed, missing data is, is, is able to be obtained and, and captured. 
Um, then once you've got that, then you use that artificial intelligence and you're able to now drive some algorithms, start driving some decisions out of that data. But what you're also able to do is, um, and I'm sure Ronnie will get into this when, when we get to the cyber side of it, is connect that data up to your partner network. You can now connect the process unit and its data to the licensor or to the catalyst vendor. You can take the equipment and the asset data and connect it to the, the, the owner or, or let's say the builder of that asset. The compressor vendor can see his compressor and the, you know, the process licensor can see his process. That changes the game dramatically because now you've suddenly brought the experts in and around your data to be able to add their advice to what's being seen and shown. That makes you able to react much faster um, and what we really believe is proactively. Instead of waiting for something to fail, that advisor or that artificial intelligence system can warn you ahead of time. Something's going to happen in the future. Here's what you do to prevent it. That's the real value there, because if you can prevent a shutdown, prevent a loss, prevent a failure, or get something up to top performance by bringing the partner network and leveraging the data, that's a huge value adder. But Ronnie, that means more people are accessing this data. And then again, whose data is it? Um, how do you actually overcome this and make sure that everything is secure and that all the players involved are feeling secure sharing this data? Um, well, there's um, a specific way actually that we do it at Honeywell. Um, we have a very secure method of what we call remote uh, connection. Um, and that remote connection is used to move this key data in an extremely secure way. Um, it, as it's being moved, it's also analyzed in terms of if there's any specific malware contained within the data. So there's threat detection built in to uh, the way that we do it. Um, the other um, key aspect of this is when organizations are managing these distributed estates, multiple remote connections coming into these estates, we can provide them with what we call a single pane of glass, which gives them a single view into their entire enterprise uh, and effectively manage, help them simplify the uh, management of that cybersecurity challenge associated with digitization. Now, of course, there's a lot happening here in the region, in the Middle East and the wider region too. Uh, Norm, talk to me about the companies in the Middle East and many of those that you look at and you work with and you're there on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, who's getting it right? Well, um, clearly a lot of the big uh, international uh, companies based here, the the Aramcos, the Adnocs, uh, Alwaha is a good example. The Kuwait oil companies, we call the K companies, Kipik and KNPC. Um, these are all companies that are leading the way uh, with putting in place systems that are connecting up process with experts, are putting in digital twins. Um, Recently and uh, soon to be announced, we have a, a big success with Adnoc around asset management, where a lot of their key assets 
are going the data is going to be collected off that and we're going to be performing asset management uh, support services where again you can have predictive maintenance you can have the history of maintenance available to the right people at the right time be ordering spare parts all the equipment so that you can maximize your asset performance and this is going to go across all the adnoc companies it's going to be one of the first ever uh, anywhere globally let alone uh, first in the region so I see the region, you know, really stepping forward uh, when you look at even the global basis and taking some of the first big steps into this area of digitalization. And of course, we're not really talking, this should not be just about the big companies. Surely this is a matter, and Ronnie, when we look at, because possibly some of the smaller companies might even be a bit more vulnerable, but have so much to offer. So really, this is something that the industry must embrace. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are um, certainly from our perspective, what we're seeing is adoption. Uh, it, it, certainly within this region, we're seeing um, regulation being put in place to help adoption of key cybersecurity practice in particular um, across all sectors, uh, depending on criticality uh, within the sector. Um, so they could be small companies, they could be big companies, but the uh, countries have identified who contributes to their critical infrastructure and how they must be managed. Um, policies and processes have been put in place specifically to manage those and help those organisations in terms of guidance in uh, what cybersecurity controls and practices they should have in place and uh, by when they should have those in place. Uh, a very critical um, uh, element to that is uh, ensuring that those organisations have access to cybersecurity experts, where they may not be able to afford to have them within their own organizations. And this is something um, Honeywell can contribute to and help them with? Absolutely. We, we have over 300 cybersecurity OT uh, consultants who help our clients. And one of the things that we've done specifically in our software is built in an element that helps to simplify cybersecurity management so those organizations don't have to have that staff on site. They can use simple solutions to fix that. Yeah, to, to go back a little bit, you ask about the small companies versus the large companies implementing digitalization in the region. I think what we're seeing is um, there's some unique factors in this region, um, as we've all seen and heard. There's a lot of pressure to uh, bring strategies of localization and getting uh, local people, whether it be Emiratis in the UAE, Saudis in Saudi, Kuwaitis in Kuwait, engaged in the industry, creating kind of employment and sustainability versus kind of relying on the expat model, which is what we had 10, 20 years ago. Digitalization is a huge enabler to that. Because what Honeywell brings um, is we combine people, process, and assets. We connect those two together, which is one of the key frameworks of what connectivity has brought us. And by being able to connect that in a digital environment, we're able to provide better visualization to the workers. We're able to provide better data. More importantly, we can bring training whether it be virtual reality, augmented reality. We can give a worker today a headset that he wears into the field where he can look into the glass and see 
what's the latest maintenance done on this piece of equipment. Um, he can see his last training session. He can pull up the data from that, that piece of equipment. He can even, I like to say, phone a friend if he's out there and he gets you know lost or, or needs something. He can call in a work order. On his handheld, he can be given a set of instructions, what I must do first, second, third. He can have his procedures with him. So this connectivity and digitalization now enables workers to be brought up to speed faster, trained faster, trained more thoroughly. And that's a big enabler to this localization story that we're seeing across the region. And that doesn't matter whether you're a small company or a large company, you're under pressure to do that. And we're seeing the benefits for a small company or a big company are pretty much the same. You know, it's about improving safety, reliability, getting more out of your assets, you know, producing more with less. All of those apply to any size company. Obviously, the bigger company can multiply it by a bigger number. But the small company, those benefits still exist and may even exist to a greater extent when it comes to engaging and training of the workers. And indeed, something that you had said, Ronnie, earlier about the, the critical staff focus that we really, every company has to be looking. It's about upgrading the people that they already have and really possibly, I suppose, bringing new skills into this industry. And that's absolutely vital, isn't it? It is indeed. And um, Honeywell, we've actually um, created uh, here in Dubai a cybersecurity lab, which is specifically designed to train uh, our client staff uh, provide them with a facility where they can do off-site testing um, and also um, uh, give them really, really deep insights into how attackers attack their networks and how they can defend um, um, from those attackers. Um, and this is just one of three sites that we have across the world. Um, and obviously, the, the, they, the sites employ our cybersecurity experts to help train our staff, uh, to help train our client staff. And really, it's about, I guess, being, being, being ahead of the curve and knowing what's out there, anticipating, I guess, the dangers and the unknowns. Norm, talk to me about what Honeywell can do for companies in this region that are looking to digitalize and also what value can you offer? Well, Honeywell has been helping in this area actually for, for 10 or 15 years with what we would call our single point software solutions, where we brought advanced process control to a process. We brought training simulators to operators. Um, we brought some of the asset improvement models. Um, what's really changed now is we're, we're tying all this together. Um, and we've created a system called Honeywell Forge. And Honeywell Forge is a system that first of all, enables you to gather the data across the entire enterprise whether it be the data from single processes, but also from the laboratory. It can connect all the way up to the ERP system and pull down the financial data. It can get into the maintenance system, whatever. And it provides you a visualization platform that can be actually self-directed to whatever role you have in the refinery. So the CEO can have his visualization platform. The unit engineer can have his the head of maintenance, his, the head of HR can have his. All off the same data platform, but it's basically pulling the data from across the refinery. 
Then once you, you've got the visualization, you've got the data captured, we make sure the data has good integrity, we make sure there's no gaps or holes in the data. Then we use it to, as the linkage to now go out to your partner network, the licensors, the catalyst vendors, the equipment vendors. We also connect that up to what we call digital twins. So we have a digital twin around process, a digital twin around asset, and a digital twin around people. So what do those digital twins enable you to do? They enable you to take the data, say that's within the process, and have a simulation running against your process so you can compare how good am I doing against what's the best performance I should have. And that can be seen by the operator, but it can be seen by the process licensor. Digital Twin on the asset is actually running models based upon that asset, based upon the vendor of that asset, telling you what's gone with that equipment, how long is the next runtime, what kind of maintenance does it need, when, is there something else going around. And then the one I really like is the Digital Twin around people, because this is now enabling each worker to have a self-developed training model. And this training model, what I really like about it is it can be just-in-time training. It can be set up with virtual reality, augmented reality. It can be training on demand. And that's, you know, one of the things from when I, I started a uh, long, long time ago, 45 years ago now, and I was at UOP and I was sent out to do startups in every corner of the world. So, you know, they gave us a manual about this thick, which was a pain to carry in your suitcase, you know, a five-inch thick manual. And you kind of read that procedure and tried to memorize it, and you'd run out. And it was trial and error practice. And if I needed to, there wasn't even training simulators in those days. Now we have a training simulator that I can plug into at home. I can plug into on my iPad. I can do a virtual reality version. I can have all my procedures right there on my, my device out in the field. Um, so it's, and, and for today's workers, that's required. Because for a young worker today who's digitalized, who's iPod and phone friendly, the last thing he's going to do is take a 80-inch thick, you know, 25-pound book and be dragging it around a refinery. You know, it's just not going to happen anymore. No, it's so, never going to happen never again. Gonna... And taking all of that background that you have in the industry, I want you to sort of look in the crystal ball and maybe go, go 10, 20 years ahead because digitalization is it's really no longer a disruption. As I say, it's the destination. It's here to stay. Where are we going? Well, I think the next step is going to be obviously a lot more artificial intelligence where we're able to really begin to predict uh, well in advance, uh, you know, failures and models and make changes. Um, good example we have is um, one of the major oil companies in the U.S. They, we brought all their data into a bunker in New Orleans for all their offshore in Gulf of Mexico and Brazil. And, and they did it because they were actually running out of offshore experts. So they could put all the offshore experts in this bunker. All the data comes in. We're able to read that data and see things that nothing on the naked eye can see, but be able to say, listen, if we did this and we put it on the desk of the expert to check, the expert gets so many hours to check it, he can then make a change to the performance. 
that completely changes how much oil you get out of that, that reservoir. The second thing we're gonna see is the use of robots and robotics. There's a lot of steps and a lot of processes today that are still done by hand. Some of them are risky, some of them are challenging and difficult. I can see robotics coming in and taking them over. And I can see some of actually the operating staff to be put into more higher level visualization activities than actually manual. I mean, I still remember going up the 400 foot tall reactor stack to take pressure gauge readings all the way up and down. Took me two hours. Yeah, I guess it kept me fit, but had no other value. And in this 40 degree temperature, how many people are gonna do it how often? Today, that can all be digitalized. It can be sitting on your, your phone or wherever. So with all of this happening and happening so quickly, Ronnie, obviously there's a greater need as we look ahead into the next 10, 20 years. And in this industry, we probably need to be looking five years because by then it'll have all changed again, probably. But where do you see it? And where do you see the need, you know, for the security and particularly when we look at protecting all of these assets and data? Um, so three key areas, really. Um, certainly for organizations as they grow and they are distributed and they have uh, all of this data being collected from uh, disparate locations, uh, scalability, in their cybersecurity practices. Um, obviously, with the increase in threat, we see the threat uh, level increase every day. Over the last few years, we've seen more and more malicious uh, activities, certainly within industry. Um, so uh, finding ways to help organizations strengthen their cybersecurity posture um, is, is vital. And doing that through technology um, uh, effectively help simplify that challenge for them in terms of gathering the data, similar data, but in this in this case, cybersecurity data. Um, at Honeywell, uh, we've just recently announced the launch of our um, Ford cybersecurity platform, which effectively gives our clients a single pane of glass into their entire enterprise. Um, and every single device in every single site is monitored and managed and brings it back, as, as Norm described, to those experts who can uh, uh, understand and decipher that data and make sure that they're managing their cybersecurity practices in the best way that they possibly can. Indeed, and it really is about managing those assets you know, right across the board. Um, of course, you're going to have a big presence at, at EPEC, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, we're always happy to see you there. When you meet your customers and what are they looking at you know, day by day, what do you want to to talk to them about and, and what are they expecting from you? Well, I think they're very anxious to hear more about digitalization. And so Honeywell Forge, um, some of the recent success stories we have around the asset performance model, around the development of the connected worker um, and operator rounds, these are things that they're all very, very excited and interested to hear about. And so they're want, they'll want to hear, uh, obviously, what the technology is, but they're also, I think, going to want to hear from us, okay, how are you beginning to implement it? Uh, how do I get started? Uh, or how do I take the next step? Um, you know, how do I manage my concerns about the technology, about the cybersecurity, uh, about these things? So I think we're going to have a lot of great conversations, I think, uh, 
people are, it's a very exciting time, I think, for the industry because, you know, we're an industry that's cautious and careful for the rightful reasons with the stuff we're dealing with. It's probably been a little slower to adapt to newer trends than other industries, but I think we're, we're kind of over the hump now. Um, and, and, and now we're in that space where we're ready for digitalization and we want it to take hold. So I think we're gonna see lots of activity and, and that's gonna be our big focus this year. And I think the industry indeed is, is embracing that as well and really looking at, I think, the tremendous value that it will bring because ultimately everybody can see and when it contributes to the bottom line, there's more exactly. safety, there's better profits, all of that it comes with, it ticks all the boxes. Exactly. So, yep. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being here. Norm Gilsdorf, thank you so much, and Ronnie Rahman, thank you both for joining us. This has been the Adipec podcast, bringing you up to date with insights and news in the oil and gas industry. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure.